And probably they could have three of these eight years, there was no need to do anything. And the other years, they should have just updated the content that exists. So this this is, uh, I like, I always have this at the back of my head when I think about producing content at scale, like, let's check what we already have and if we can optimize it. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. If you want to learn more about SEO, how to get results, how to get more traffic, how to get more sales, even more because and last time I pay so much attention to sales than to get a lot more traffic and I know some projects can fail with that just to get traffic without sales. Uh, uh, it's annoying and for me it's more important to sell. In the end, many things we can discuss today, especially when we have AI, when we have some huge competition, extremely competitive uh, niche SEO, but you still have room even for new projects uh, to get results and I get a lot of great results with investing, trading, website, we increase our traffic from zero to 2,000 people a day in extremely competitive niche when we compete with billion dollar companies. And today we are going to discuss more. It's important to uh, learn more, to develop what you have. I'm so excited to discuss all these things with Malte. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm great. We discussed before the podcast um, a little bit about the weather, about uh, many things. Uh, you are in Berlin uh, and let me try to pronounce your second name, Landwehr. Uh, if I'm not right, tell the last pronunciation and uh, more about your background, experience and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, the pronunciation was quite, quite good. I would say almost perfect. Yeah, I'm Malte. Uh, I'm currently an, an in-house SEO, specifically I'm the head of SEO at Idealo, which by almost any metric you can come up with is probably the largest price comparison uh, website in, in Europe. Um, and before that, I've uh, been at Searchmetrics for five years and an enterprise SEO software um, that was recently acquired by a competitor uh, where I had various roles in, in marketing and product management. And yeah, basically, I've been doing SEO for more than half my life uh, for 20 years now. And um, I, I studied computer science for a time. I thought I would obtain my PhD. I, I once co-founded an SEO agency. Um, I did some um, broke angel uh, work, basically helping startups uh, for shares. And uh, yeah, that's my that's my background. I also did a little bit of management consulting so I can do PowerPoint slides and I know how to explain SEO so that people can read it on a blackberry in in the back of a cab and understand it so yeah that's my my mix of backgrounds i would say nice nice uh awesome um uh, for 20 years i think i think many things changed and uh, i started my journey in 2008 15 years ago oh uh, for me it's tough to count how many times i changed my strategy how i changed my attitudes because i started to buy backlinks uh, to create content for uh, search engines. Uh, today, I don't do it. Uh, we had a team of writers who wrote about anything, any topics, uh, weight loss, online games, finance, anything. 
uh, then uh, and uh, google ranked well all these websites uh, then uh, after panda after penguin we change a lot of in our strategies we uh, google fired all these people okay i fired them but uh, google pushed me forward you know to fire people who can write about anything and today of course we pay so much attention to eeat experience expertise authority trust and i want to ask you uh, can you tell uh, from your experience how you change your strategy in 20 years what change did you started with uh, black hat seo or white hat seo and where we need to pay attention today yeah i i have never gone fully down the black hat route i mean i've sometimes tried things out but it was never like my main uh, activity I would say I've always been on the white hat slash gray hat side. I think there are actually no successful white hat SEOs. I think it's all gray hat. Uh, so uh, for the listeners, maybe white hat would mean you just follow the Google guidelines. So you never try to get a backlink, for example. Um, and gray hat is, uh, I would say, you mo you mainly follow the guidelines, but you, you skirt on the boundaries. Um, and my, I mean, my strategy has changed completely, right? Also because I've had different setups. I started with just being myself, uh, buying very cheap content, like literally the cheapest content I could buy. I paid like one cent per word. Um, and that was when I wasn't doing uh, maybe some more black hat text spinning things. Um, and and then I went on to the, to the agency side for larger clients where this kind of content didn't fly anymore um, and now I'm in-house where everything is built to basically built for users and then it's just about showing Google all the good things we are doing for users uh, and not really about manipulating the Google algorithm as I did maybe 10-15 years ago so I would say everything has changed about my approach yeah I agree I agree and I remember this time when I paid uh, uh, one cent per word it's like uh, ten dollars per thousand words yeah yeah uh, i even negotiated with some writers you know for <laughs> can you do it for five dollars not ten <laughs> so, yeah and today yeah i agree we pay so a lot more a lot more but we cooperate with specialists who can write content for forbes investopedia great websites because we help in this niche and uh, we usually search uh, for people with proven record so uh, i don't use upwork to find them out um, yeah I, I tried but it doesn't work for me i don't know how to find great offers on upwork uh, I, I, probably it's possible uh, i don't want to deny anything but in our case we usually uh, search for people who can write for great resources then to check their content if we see SEO traffic we reach out and negotiate about the price about conditions and of course we are not looking for the price we're looking for experience for real experience and I usually tell my clients it's better to order one text than 10 texts but with a writer who knows the topic who knows how to write it's very important two points so if you are expert in one niche but you don't know how to write you can't if you know how to write but you're not expert you can't uh, google uh, uh, is looking for uh, content that people want to read so it's important to know can you tell your methods how to fight great writers uh, from your experience how you uh, do it in, in most cases 
Um, I mean, right now I'm luckily working in an in-house setting where we just have um, uh, people in-house who are experts at writing and are also experts at certain topics. Mm -hmm. um, we've also had good experience just reaching out individually to people um, to like contribute content. But I don't have a formula for um, this is how you find 100 people who produce good content. Um, I can I can share a little anecdote uh, uh, on this topic. Um, and this was even before the whole AI content thing. Um, back in my days at Searchmetrics, we were doing a project for one of the largest e-commerce websites in the US, where they basically went to us to create briefings, data-driven, uh, with some SEO input on keywords, topics to cover. They then gave these to three really, really large content agencies in the US, so really three of the, three of the top five, I would say. And then we also did duplicate content checks. And 40% of the content delivered from some of these really expensive content agencies that really have big brands, um, it was just copied. Just one paragraph copied from here, one paragraph copied from there. And uh, then again, this was before AI, right? Like now it's even worse, right? Like mm -hmm. people will sign up and say, hey, I will write content for you. They just put your briefing in ChatGPT, copy, paste, yeah. send it to you. And uh, I mean, this is also the reason why many text marketplaces and text agencies said like six to nine months ago, we are no longer accepting new writers because we are just overrun by a flood of ChatGPT users who actually can't write, who just give you ChatGPT content. Um, so I think this is going to be a challenge also going forward, um, because with, when you work with a lot of writers, external runs, and potentially even internal ones, you're going to have um, issues with copied content and you're going to have issues with AI written content where it's maybe not clear if the, if the content is correct or not. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I agree about that. And I don't remember when, but uh, yeah, we stopped accepting any writers who reach out to us. So yeah, we usually search. We have some formula to find great writers. We use this formula. But if someone is asking, can, can I do it for you? No, no, you can't. <laughs> Why? Because you can't. Like, you have no time to check, check it out, your quality and anything else. So, yeah, yeah, we use the same formula. Malta, you submitted a request about frameworks and mental models. Can you explain more how we can unite with ACO frameworks, uh, mental models, and uh, and uh, differentiate from uh templates or something like this because it might confuse some uh, people yeah sure um i mean i've been doing seo for a while right so have you so i've probably many listeners so when we are facing an seo challenge we often have intuition right we have a gut feeling yeah. what is the right answer and often it's of more often than not we are right but as an seo you will often face challenges that are not pure seo challenges right you will have product management challenges, prioritization challenges. Um, if you're in an SEO leadership role, you sometimes you suddenly need to think about how to structure teams. And you probably don't have intuition for these. At least I don't have it uh, or didn't have it when I started out. And there's this nice little thing called frameworks. This is basically packaged intuition 
So there are experts who have been doing something for 20 years and then three of them got in a room and they used all of their experiences to write down a framework that says if X happens, do Y and in many cases it works. And especially from, from product management, but also from management consulting and many other disciplines like software engineering, um, there are these, these little frameworks or mental models that are sometimes 50 years old. Um, but if you are facing a certain challenge and you, you know about SEO, you know about keywords and URLs and links and user intent, but to operationalize it with either a client or within a large company, you will face challenges of prioritization, budget, stakeholder buy-in, how to set up the team that deals with it, how to have check-ins with the team that is suddenly dealing with this topic that you care about. And this is where, where frameworks come into place. So I don't even mean specific SEO frameworks. I think the biggest benefit SEOs can get is look at frameworks from outside of SEO, uh, frameworks and mental models from product managers, from management consultants. Um, I think that's where SEOs can just learn a lot and then uh, have a template that they can apply. Um, and I think the most important thing when talking about frameworks is you will never find a framework that just matches your problem perfectly and just solves everything. But if you look at a couple of frameworks in a certain space and you use your own knowledge of your current situation and your judgment, then you can often come to very, very good outcomes and conclusions that maybe you would have had on your own as well if you spent uh, 10 years working on that problem. But um, these frameworks can be a shortcut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well explained. And let's talk about SEO intuition. I, I always rely to SEO intuition. Uh, when you acquire experience, you can have this intuition. And sometimes I can deny data because of my intuition. You know? <laughs> so if I see uh, some issues, I, I can uh, tell what we need to do next uh, uh, because of intuition. And I love it. Uh, and sometimes I can uh, predict forecast what we can uh, do better, you know, with intuition, without data, because of this experience. Can you tell about your intuition, how to combine intuition and data? Uh, and let me share a short story about Jeff Bezos. Uh, once he got a research team and this team asked him to give more time to uh, research about a new product. He denied. He told, we have enough data. Nobody knows what will work, but we can figure it out by testing, by implement, Im, to implement, uh, to release this product. And this product was Alexa. Today, almost all homes in the US have uh, these products. Um, and uh, Jeff Bezos has this intuition, you know, to figure out it's enough data uh, and uh, this product can win the market. And it did. So tell your methods to combine data, intuition, and where you can rely more. I, I used to think that everything has to be about data in SEO. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you want to make small changes, data is your friend, right? You can test everything. Um, but I think if you want to make big and bold changes in SEO and react to like very fundamental changes, either because Google changes the SERP layout in your space or 
something happens in the in the legal framework or on the supply side or the demand side for whatever space you're working in. Um, I think data can sometimes be too slow. And especially in SEO, when we talk about testing, um, I mean, imagine you have a negative core update and you want to test your way out of this. You might have to wait six months to get any feedback on your test for the next core update, right? So um, you need to have some convictions, I believe. And you could be wrong, and then maybe you're running in the wrong direction, and you should make sure you should do everything you can to make sure your convictions are not wrong, and you should use data as much as you can. But there are just some things where you can't test the very last detail of it. And then it's sometimes just smart to think about what is the best thing for the user. And if I was a search engine, how would I react to this content format or whatever you are worried about? And then just go with the best guess instead of trying to test every single thing. Um, I see SEO teams that use too little data. And I see SEO teams that use too much data or try to use data too much. So I can't even give a general advice. Um, situations are just very, very different. Um, so there is there is no blanket advice, like everybody should use less data or more data. I think everybody should find the pace where they make mainly right decisions and then move as fast as possible. Yeah, I think it's like enough data because over data might confuse <laughs> when you have a lot of metrics, uh, numbers, it might confuse what you need to do. But uh, And you mentioned about priorities. Uh, you replied in the previous uh, question about priorities. And I think it's very important, especially today when we need to create less but quality. And uh, many years ago, we created a lot of content at scale, but it's tough to do it with quality. Uh, can you tell how to prioritize? Uh, for example, if we have content strategy plus 100 topics, and I often see this issue when someone can share, look uh, my uh, keyword list. I see 10,000 keywords. Uh, and I, I, I usually ask how many writers you have, content creators, developers. And when they reply, I have only one, uh, or probably I'm looking for someone who can do it. Um, I think it, it's tough. It's tough uh, and it's better if you have limited resources and even big companies have limited resources. They can create a lot of content at scale, like SEMrush, Ahrefs, HubSpot, yeah, big companies, but they create one piece of content a day, um, sometimes uh, in a few days. So tell your methods how to prioritize things, uh, especially to create content. Yeah, like one thing I like is a framework for prioritization. Mm -hmm. um, there are actually two similar ones um, called ICE and RICE, so written ICE or RICE. And basically, you look, you look at impact, confidence, reach, uh, and then either effort or uh, ease. Um, and what that means is that let's say you have two content clusters and both of them have the same search volume. Let's say there's a million people searching a month for it. So your, your potential impact is, is the same if you, if you optimize for traffic. Um, but then in one of these content clusters, it's completely new for you. And there are some strong competitors. And there's another content cluster where you actually already are ranking with three articles. Um, so you, you can have high confidence that if you create more content, it will work well. 
and um, then you you can use this confidence as part of your of your prioritization and maybe going for a smaller content cluster where you have very high confidence um, because you already know that blog articles are the right format and you already rank with two blog articles you you can have high confidence that creating 48 additional blog articles will work and maybe there's another content space where you would have to create a video and you have never created a video and you have never created content for that content space or that topic cluster then even though the potential reach or potential impact is the same, uh, your confidence must be lower. Like you, I mean, if you are logical about it. And I think this is a very, very good uh, way to, to think about priorities um, for content. And then for content specifically, um, I think what always makes sense is to periodically have a content audit and then decide, does this piece of content, does it need to be updated? Does it need to be deleted? Should I leave it as it is? Or should it be merged together with something else? And if you just write, write, write content for 12 months and you do a content audit every 12 months, probably you will find a lot of content you can delete, a lot of content that you can, you can merge. Uh, my favorite story is always uh, uh, on this topic when I went to Las Vegas to speak to a company in the, in the e-commerce fashion space they had a blog and I asked them why have they created eight years in a row a blog article called how to tie a tie and most of the time they even did a photo shooting for it like not stock photos but unique photo shooting and at least two or three times they even shot a unique video and the reason is because the people on the content department always changed they always thought oh how to tie a tie is an important topic for our readers so they didn't check, are we ranking already? Do we have content we can update? They just produce new content. And I would assume that on the low scale, each time they did that, this cost $1,000 on the very, very low scale, potentially a lot more. And probably they could have three of these eight years, there was no need to do anything. And the other years, they should have just updated the content that exists. Um, so this this is uh, I like I always have this at the back of my head when I think about producing content at scale. Like let's check what we already have and if we can optimize it. Yeah, nice, nice. Well explained. Love it. Uh, let's talk about AI. Uh, when ChatGPT appealed, since then uh, around five percent of marketers, content creators, SEOs lost their jobs. And uh, I think uh, I can suggest that these people didn't adapt fast to this tool because I don't think so that ChatGPT can replace people. Only uh, people or experts who can adapt can replace them. Uh, for example, I grow my results a lot with AI. Uh, I uh, think how I can adapt. I play with this tool a lot uh, to uh, check out, especially in trading investing niche so we are looking for ways how to uh, create a lot of content great content high quality content and uh, in my case i don't care about uh, this ai detectors uh, or something similar because if it's content if it's uh, you know if content is quality uh, google doesn't care people don't care um, 
and we create a lot of content and i advise anyone who lost their jobs to think how you can adapt ai to your seo uh, because ai will not replace you uh, i think people who adapt to ai can replace you uh, and if i don't do it uh, someone will replace me so it's like part of the job and digital marketing is a quickly changing world i want to ask you how you adapt ai how you uh, use this tool uh, to improve or uh, create better results yeah i mean maybe first of all about the, the replacing people thing um I mean, I think everybody who's listening to a podcast or, or watching this live on YouTube is already doing their part on educating themselves. Um, but there are two historical events. Like one was the invention of the car. And then a lot of people who were like the drivers of the horse carriages, they lost their jobs. Um, and there's a very mean way to look at this. But uh, maybe some people are the horses and not the drivers. And uh, there are a lot less horses nowadays in Western countries since the invention of the car. And um, when switchboards were operated, like the phone connections, um, people who have been working in the switchboard industry was mainly women who did that job. Uh, they never caught up to their peer group in terms of salary, um, even if they learned different jobs. So I think, uh, Yes, people who lose their job will not be replaced by AI, but by people with AI. But probably one person with AI can replace two people. And and I do think um, we all of us, we need to keep up to date. Otherwise, we will be left behind and maybe we'll be the horses in the yeah. horse carriage example. Um, then how do I use um, AI? I think the, the biggest improvement is in the research, brainstorming, and data analysis department. Like, I can just put some data into ChatGPT and get insights that I didn't have before, and where I would normally have to talk to an analyst for a while, and then they would think about it for a day or two before they come back to me. Um, and in brainstorming, I, I sometimes I just write ChatGPT my challenges, like what I'm thinking. And I have to admit, really often it comes up with some good ideas. I mean, it never solves my problem, not not once, but it often gives me interesting things to just um, think about. And I, um, I recently had a presentation uh, at an SEO conference, and I always ask ChatGPT, please create five scenarios how I can uh, give an SEO example for this or this topic. And there was a lot of... Um, can I use swear words on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, there was a lot of bullshit in there. Mm -hmm. um, but every once in a while, it actually had a good thought that led me to thinking. And there's this thing called writer's block, right? Where you sit in front of an empty page, you don't know what to do. So I just I just tell ChatGPT, write me five introduction sentences for this or this. And, and then it's much easier. Like if ChatGPT writes something that I don't fully agree with it's much easier to to get started on on writing um and yeah i i recently had a, a team member present some rather complex data analysis where he also said himself previously he would have had to work with an analyst but ChatGPT helped him to come up with some ways to visualize the numbers and look at them and also ChatGPT helped a lot with writing the sql queries um, so he could get the data themselves Mm -hmm. So I think this is the biggest thing. Um, for me, it's not really content production. I have to 
admit, but I can imagine that for many SEOs, the content production part is one of the main use cases for ChatGPT. Yeah, I think if, uh, you know, I, I use for content production, but in most cases for tools calculating data, not for blog articles. I, I can't, I don't know why, but I can't write great articles with ChatGPT. I can ask for tips, suggestions to create the structure, many things, but uh, I don't know why, but I can't write a great article with ChatGPT. So yeah, but I think this tool is uh, developing, updating, many things will come. Uh, and yeah, at least uh, when uh, human beings uh, are responsible for uh, content uh, before terminators will kill all human beings, we have time you know, to adapt to this tool. Uh, I wanna ask, about uh, link building, you know, the last time I get many questions about link building, do we need or don't, uh, it works or doesn't. Uh, and uh, Google uh, always shares with us, link building uh, don't play a huge role. It's not like many years ago, today uh, links uh, yeah, are not in the top five ranking factors, but many experts can tell, uh, no, I don't believe Google, I think, Link building is very important. A website without links don't rank. And of course, I think everyone is right. For example, if someone gets a million traffic without links, so I can't say this person is wrong. Yeah. If someone can't get results without link building, even big projects like yesterday, I spoke with co-founder of Surfer SEO, and he told me he doesn't know how to get results without links. You can get results, but not like great results. Um, some companies like, for example, Neil Patel. Neil Patel shares many years ago even that he stopped doing link building for neilpatel.com because he has authority, he has enough, uh, you know, to get results. Forbes doesn't use link building. I think when you have high authority, you don't need link building at all. But can you tell how to find this balance? Do we need or don't? Of course, Neil Patel, Forbes have authority, high authority, probably this websites don't need link building. But what about the rest? How to find this balance when you need, uh, when you don't, and your point about that? Yeah, I mean, as an in-house SEO for a, a known brand in Europe, uh, I also don't do link building, right? We, we have the authority that we need. Um, I think if I were to start a website from scratch, I would very much care about getting some links initially, just to make sure Google is regularly crawling the website. Um, and I think the biggest shift in link building that happened in the last 10 years was to switch your mindset from link building to link earning, mm -hmm. um, basically doing things that lead to your brand or your name being mentioned and linked and referenced and be a source. And I think with things like digital PR or uh, publishing data, publishing your own research, um, publishing case studies, white papers, just sharing resources, um, interacting with the so-called linkerati, the people who can give you links, which might be bloggers in some niches, might be journalists and others. I think that is the, is the game today. Um, and especially with, with EEAT, if you think about it, then links must be one of the main aspects of it because everybody can write on their website that they tested a product and hold it, held it in their hands. And with AI, everybody can create a fake picture showing the product and demonstrating that, yeah, I really tested this product. Um, but people can lie. 
And um, I, I, for a while, I monitored a very successful spam website in Germany that had perfect on-page eat. Like it was all made up um, and even the authors were fake, but they had long author profiles. They had a text, a disclaimer that, yes, a human being wrote this and a human being held these 10 razors in their hand, like before we said, this is the best razor, yada, yada, yada. But it was all fake. And um, I think it's very hard for Google to evaluate EAT just with these on-page factors. I think links and also how others are talking about your brand online, how your brand is rated on the App Store and many other places. I think this is where Google can actually get reliable EAT signals. Um, so earning great links in a positive context will stay important for the foreseeable future, especially since um, we can expect a flood of AI content. I think what we have seen this year is only the top of the iceberg and we will see a hundred times more content um, in 2024. Yeah. And um, it will reach a point where Google cannot crawl all that content. Um, because I mean, it happened already a couple of years ago that in, I think it was Japan, there was a spam network that was so big that Google had to manually empty the queue of the Google bot because these, they had thousands of domains with hundred million URLs all linked cross domain. And it, it just filled the crawling queue and it would have taken years to crawl all of it. And everybody can do this now. And it only costs, I mean, I guess for $10,000, you could already create a couple hundred million uh, pages with, with mediocre content. And there are people who are willing to invest a lot more money into SEO. And um, then links become one source of, of information again for Google, one source of validation. And there are others like, uh, is the URL mentioned on uh, Twitter? Is it mentioned in Gmail? Uh, it's as in, in emails that are sent via Gmail, right? Is it is it mentioned on, on other social platforms? Is it mentioned in uh, closed chat systems? Um, is, is the DNS server requested by humans? Many, many other things. Also the, the Chrome UX data can give Google an insight. But, but one key ingredient for this will be links, like recommendations. Um, and ideally links that are verifiably human created. So having a link from a directory that links to any website is not really helping Google to understand the EAT. But if Google knows that um, maybe Forbes, I mean, Forbes is maybe not the best example because we all know we can buy links on Forbes. But uh, if, if a lot of newspapers uh, link to a certain website and mention it in their articles, um, then that could be a great indicator of EAT and that could be an indicator that this website deserves ranking. So link earning is not that. I think link building for at least on the enterprise level, there is no more link building. There's just link earning. And for local SEOs, for SMBs who just start with SEO and for new websites, probably link building is still in the toolbox of recommended tasks. Nice, nice. Uh, Malta, uh, let's talk about, you know, you, you mentioned about the future. Uh, you said, what you think about today link building, but you mentioned about the future. And um, I want to ask more 
about uh, your forecast. Uh, for example, when I started my digital journey, we created only e-commerce content. Google was not smart to recognize the user intent and ranked well. Uh, then we switch our attention to blog content. And today, according to data, uh, most traffic are coming to blog articles today, plus 50% of all traffic are coming to blog articles. But I'm not sure about the future. I'm not sure. And le let me explain why. Uh, I disagree when someone can tell chatbots, AI bots can't replace search engines. Um, and here's why. For example, um, I decided to buy a new Tesla in Florida and uh, I search uh, on Google can I use this uh, autopilot driverless feature you know uh, in Florida because each state in the US have uh, has different law and uh, I couldn't find a simple answer on Google so Google uh, shares a lot of content probably great content, but I don't need this content. <laughs> I need a simple answer to simple question. Then I searched on Bart and got this reply for a few seconds. The second time I decided to open new business. And um, in that case, I needed to find what kind of documents I need to have it uh, to submit. Uh, and yes, I used this Google. It's my habit and I couldn't find the list of documents. I don't need anything else. Why I need to create a business? <laughs> Why I can uh, earn money with that? So my intent was to please show me a list of documents. That is, that's it. And I searched this on ChatGPT and got answer for a few seconds without any fluff, without any uh, nonsense. So I found a simple answer to a simple question. Uh, that is why I'm not sure about the future that uh, blog content will get results in the future uh, if uh, chatbots can reply. And uh, when SEO specialists complain about feature snippers that Google can steal our content, uh, but Google at least links to our uh, content. <laughs> chatbots don't. They just still rewrite to show in other words. So your prediction about the future in uh, content marketing and blog content. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the most positive outlook on blog content. Um, I think a lot of blog content right now works because it's well optimized and people target keywords that have search volume, but not a lot of content. So Google has to show something. Um, but I think if a company's strategy is to produce blog articles that can be written by ChatGPT, then that strategy is already dead mm -hmm. because tomorrow your competitor can do it. I mean, I could do it. I could just ran, register a random domain and start writing blog content with ChatGPT on any topic. And a lot of smart SEOs will do it. Um, so it's a race to the bottom. Uh, who can produce the blog content for one euro? Who can produce it for five cents? Right? If the blog article only costs you five cents to produce, maybe you are okay with only getting 10 visitors from Google. But if it costs you 200 euros, just internal costs for like the graphic design, salary for the people who writes the content, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then you need probably thousands of visitors to break even on the, on the blog article. And so even if people keep searching with Google, just the fact that AI can write a lot of blog content that is currently produced by SEOs will just steal all of your content. Um, and there might be some niches and maybe some languages where this is less of an issue, 
but over time, smart SEOs will find your niche and they will spam it with AI content. Mm -hmm. um, so you need a differentiator like your, your brand. And then the second aspect is, will people even keep asking these questions on Google? Will they maybe ask them on Bart, on ChatGPT? And here I also think if it's like, if the search intent is simple information, like a yes or no answer, or a very quick summary to answer the question, is coffee healthy or not? for example, mm -hmm. um, there, I think a lot of traffic will just stay on Google. E either Google will have the, the search generative experience on top to answer this question, or maybe people will just ask their, their AI assistant. Um, I think there's still a lot of information where people want a search results, like with blue links to go to a source, um, like for research topic, for anything that is transactional, um, but yes, I do believe that a lot of SEOs, especially people who discovered SEO as basically you publish blog articles. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of people who call themselves SEOs who are also right now successful and who are very good at selling the services, but who essentially only publish blog articles, have never done anything else. Um, I think they will have problems, uh, very significant problems, especially if they are in a competitive market uh, like the United States uh, or any, any English-speaking English markets or any of the major languages where the AI tools are already quite good at, at producing content. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah I agree. Uh, and um, according to data, 12% uh, of people search uh, replies to their questions in uh, chatbots. So 12% for six months or uh, at least, uh, I don't remember when, uh, in November that was released. Uh, ah, no, not six months. Oh, more than a year. Well, <laughs> I, lo I lost my track. Okay, so 12% uh, of people are looking for replies in uh, chatbots. 30% uh, are looking in uh, YouTube, TikTok, by the way, my son. Uh, always does it uh, when I ask him to search the reply to his question on Google and he used TikTok. <laughs> he doesn't know about Google. So, and uh, plus 60% still uh, use uh, Google and it takes time to change, to change habits. It's not like for a few days, even uh, years, decades to change habits. Uh, but if uh, augmented reality or chatbots will reply to these questions much better, then of course people will change habits. Uh, anyway, if you can create products, uh, you can be fine. It's not like uh, uh, search engines uh, can help us to submit content to cover sales funnel if chatbots can reply to these questions too. Uh, but you need to buy products so you can buy from AI. So yeah, uh, I think e-commerce will be fine in the future, but uh, if chatbots can reply to these questions, why not? Yeah, uh, we can give some part of the market. And Malta, I wanna ask my final question, my common question. I asked this question before uh, in our podcast um, about your experience. And um, this question is important for two people. The first person uh, is founders, uh, co-founders uh, uh, who are looking for ways to learn the basics the basic and uh, to find hire or cooperate or outsource great experts to their teams to their projects so uh, but they need to understand 
how it works, why SEO is important, how to get traffic. Uh, after learning the basic, they can hire someone who can help them, you know, to go ahead. The second person, students who are looking for ways to learn from scratch, especially today when we have AI, when things are changing fast. So let's help both students, founders. Uh, if you start today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do today if you want to learn SEO from scratch? So if I'm a student, I would go to learningseo.io from Aleda Solis um, and just follow the learning path. There's lots of free resources on there, lots of videos, and I would build my own website and try to apply these learnings. Um, because if you just watch a video, you haven't learned anything. You just have some theory in your head that you will forget. So watch the videos, read the articles, and then apply it to your own website. Um, I think for founders of companies, there's the question of SEO is so important that they want to invest that much time into it. Because let's face it, there are many startups where SEO is probably not important for the first two or three years. They need to find product market fit. And until they know what their product is, they should probably use paid advertising, not SEO, um, unless they are very, very sure what their product is. But for most startups, that takes time. Um, so I would ideally find somebody whom I trust, who has better understanding of SEO than me and talk to them. I think for founders, that is the better way um, before they spend a lot of time learning about SEO and then realizing they should actually have learned uh, uh, offline marketing, sales, and how to lead teams and how to, I don't know, uh, cut trees or whatever the business is about. Um, but yeah, if you have time uh, uh, and don't want to spend any money, uh, learning SEO.io is the perfect resource, in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. Aleda Solis really did an outstanding job there. Nice, nice. Yeah. And if you learn from Aleda Solis, from anybody else from Neil Patel, from Malta, uh, Longware, you need to practice, you need to act because you can learn everything without practice, it doesn't work. Uh, and uh, my biggest attitude to get results is to practice. Uh, sometimes I learn less, sometimes I skip news. And uh, I know great experts like Neil Patel, he, he doesn't read news, SEO news. John Mueller doesn't recommend to read uh, a lot as you know so you, you can learn but uh, don't read all of them and uh, i have no time to read uh, a teeny percent of all information that are coming every single day but if you act if you pay attention to your strong side you will you will be fine just uh, act more uh, to have this energy fail a lot i fail a lot you know but i can learn how to do it better next time but it's a big pleasure thank you so much for taking your time, for sharing all this valuable bombs. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, best way to learn from me is probably following me on LinkedIn and Twitter or X, as it's now called. Uh, but probably following me on LinkedIn is where I share the most interesting stuff. Nice. So Elon Musk doesn't break your heart? <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred that he stays in the electric car and space and solar <laughs> industry and not gets involved with, with Twitter and X. But uh, I, I also understand that the company had some issues. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, I, I have very mixed feelings about him. I think he did some great things, but yeah, I think Elon Musk also uh, 
especially said some things in the past that I just really don't agree with at all. Um, and yeah. I wish he would just stick to keeping his mouth shut uh, and and building electric cars and electric roofs, solar roofs, and and putting rockets into space. I think there he can do a lot of good. Uh, but yeah, for, for Twitter or X, I have very mixed feelings. <laughs> okay, of course, yeah, I agree. Elon Musk is great, in my opinion. He's a great example how to be successful, how to uh, help humanity uh, to achieve new levels. I hope he will put uh, human beings uh, to uh, Mars. Yeah, yeah, I hope I can uh, see it uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, I, I agree about X. Uh, it's his opinion. I don't want to criticize successful people uh, because we anyone can fail. I fail a lot and it's part of the job. You know, sometimes we can take some niches and can't be successful with that. So we can change approaches. Uh, Elon Musk, if he loses 44 billion dollars for him, it's okay. You know, for me, it will be much harder you know, to go ahead with that. Okay, uh, thanks guys a lot for listening this podcast. Follow Malte uh, on LinkedIn, on X, X uh, on Twitter. So uh, you can find all links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Unmess. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.